Hello world, this is Roger Corville and this is For the Hope, where we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity intentionally, and learn together to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. So yesterday we started off with a question, and I want you to remember that question because it's a really good question for us to even ask people. Even if you don't know the answer, it's a good question to ask someone. Which theory about what really happened with regard to the resurrection, which theory can best account for the data? And that's what we're going to be exploring here over the course of the next, well, next couple days. And then we'll talk about something else with regard to the resurrection as we approach Easter. But today... A little large, a little shorter passage today. Hebrews chapter 10, picking up in verse 19. Kind of starting a new section. We are in the HCSB this, uh, this week. And remember that yesterday I kind of gave you, started off by giving you the big picture outline of the argument that the writer of the book of Hebrews is making, right? Jesus is superior to angelic beings. And then the big chunk of the book is Jesus is superior to the Mosaic law and he's the new high priest and the old was a, just a shadow of, of, the, of the new. And now, third section is call to faith and endurance. Chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he has opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Mm, I'm just digging any time we read the word hope. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. By the way, if and when you ever have a friend or an acquaintance who likes to think puts themselves in the, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church kind of thing. You know, I can just worship him on my own. That is something where you'd want to point them to Hebrews chapter 10. Let us be concerned about one another in community in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do. There you go. Right there in right there in the Bible. Verse 26. 
For if we deliberately sin after having received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. If anyone disregards Moses' law, he dies without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will receive? will deserve, who has trampled on the Son of God, regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know the one who has said, one, capital O, for we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Exclamation point. Remember the earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured, endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were exposed publicly to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we, we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and obtain life. Now faith, get this, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By the way, that right there is one of those core apologetics arguments, right? That God created something out of nothing. You want to ask a question? of your uh, skeptic friends? What, what was before the universe? And if that's so, how did we get something out of nothing? Simple question. How did we get something out of nothing? By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts, and even though he is dead, he still speaks through his, through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death, and he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his removal, he was approved since he had pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. What do we have to believe? Well, we have to kind of believe that he exists and we have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, 
after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, Noah built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, from one man came offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. And these all died in faith without having received the promises. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they were thinking about where they come from, they would have had an opportunity to return, but, but they now look, they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and he was offering his unique son, the one it had been said about, your seed will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, and as an illustration, he received him back. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph as he was nearing the end of life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, after Moses was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And when the, when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down and after being encircled by the Israelites seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute received the the spies in peace, and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? 
Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead. They were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered... The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, and all these were approved by their faith. But they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. How about a list of heroes of the faith? How about a list of heroes of the faith? Whose primary work was endurance. Friends, we are too fat and happy. Yesterday we started uh, an article with Peter Kreft's website. I, I love Peter's apologetics. He he just makes clear arguments. So yesterday, we just kicked it off by saying, there's a bunch of stuff you actually don't need with re with regard to proving, we'll kind of put that in quotation marks, with, with regard to proving beyond reasonable doubt the resurrection. So the question that's on the table is which theory about what really happened can account for the data. Here are the five theories. Uh, four of them are, there's a little table on his website, but I'm just going to kind of help you visualize it. There are four of the five theories where Jesus dies and one where he doesn't die. The swoon theory is, oh, he didn't really die. He just passed out and they buried him or they thought they buried him or that's right. He didn't really actually die. That's the swoon theory. One theory is that he died and he rose, meaning that the existence of Christianity is evidence of, of that being the best explanation of the facts. The second one, theory number two here in Peter's list, is that he died, but he didn't rise, and that the apostles 
were deceived and did deceiving. Uh, the hallucination theory. They were de- they thought they saw something. Theory number three, Jesus died, he didn't rise, and the apostles just made some crap up, is the myth theory. Jesus, the whole resurrection was a myth. And theory number four is that Jesus died, did not rise, and they were active conspirators, right? Conspiracy theory, deceivers. And as we talked about, number five is he didn't die at all. It was just a swoon. So theories two and four, that's the hallucination and conspiracy. Theories two and four constitute a dilemma. If Jesus didn't rise, then the apostles who taught that they did, that he did, were either deceived, if they thought he did rise, or they were deceivers, if they knew he didn't rise. You can't, got that, right? So if, if the, the argument here is the apostles taught that Jesus rose from the dead, right? So if they actually thought he did, they were, they were deceived and loony. Or if they actually knew he didn't, then they are, were active liars, deceivers. Back to Peter's writing here. The modernists could not escape this dilemma until they came up with a middle category, which is myth, and it is the most popular alternative today. Thus, either, number one, the resurrection really happened, number two, the apostles were deceived by a hallucination, number three, the apostles created a myth, not meaning it literally, Number four, the apostles were deceivers who conspired to foist on the world the most famous and successful lie in history. Or number five, Jesus only swooned and was resuscitated, not resurrected. All five theories are logically possible and therefore must be fairly investigated, even number one. They are also the only possibilities unless we include really far-out ideas that responsible historians have never taken seriously, such as that Jesus was really a Martian who came in on a flying saucer, or that he never even existed, that the whole story was the world's greatest fantasy novel, written by some simple fisherman, that he was a literary character whom everyone in history mistook for a real person, including all the Christians and their enemies, until some scholar many centuries later got the real scoop from sources unnamed. So, If we can refute all the other theories, meaning two through five, we will have proved the truth of the resurrection, theory number one. The form of the argument here is similar to that of most of the arguments for the existence of God. Neither God nor the resurrection are directly observable, but from data that are are directly observable, we can argue that the only possible adequate explanation of the data is the Christian one. So, in the next few days, this is what he finally concludes this opening with, we shall take the four non-believing theories in the following order, from the simplest, least popular, and most easily refuted, to the most confusing, most popular, and most complexly refuted. First swoon, then conspiracy, then hallucination, and finally myth. All right, so what's our takeaway here? What is our takeaway? Yesterday, our takeaway was the question, which theory best accounts for the data? 
Today, I think our, our takeaway is this. Neither God nor the resurrection are directly observable. But from data that are directly observable, we can formulate an argument. I like that. I hope you do too. With that, I love you. We will tackle the swoon theory tomorrow. Amen? Amen.